Welcome to The 10 Frames, a podcast for emerging artists. Join your hosts, Kevin Kirkwood and Kelly Thompson, as they share conversations with artists, collectors, educators, and gallerists. Through these conversations, they explore the latest trends, techniques, and issues in the art world. To learn more about their individual work, please visit their Instagram profiles at Kevin Will Paint and at Kelly K. Thompson Art. Today's episode is brought to you by Balulu Studios. Balulu Studios is a small event space located at 3131 Bull Street in Savannah, Georgia. Conveniently located near the SCAD Shed Building, Gulfstream Digital Labs, and Montgomery Hall. Balulu Studios can be rented out for a variety of events. For more information, visit balulustudios.com backslash event space. That's B-U-L-U-L-U studios.com backslash event space. Today we enjoyed sitting down with Savannah-based artist Julio Cotto Rivera. His distinctive painting style originates from a rich cultural heritage. It is fused with stylistic components from his comic and graphic novel creation and a love of historic American Western imagery. Cotto's creativity and artistic curiosity led him into acting, poetry, and possibly a future musical career. How did you get started in acting? Um, so I had always been like interested in acting um, from an early age, but like the art thing was more obvious. So, and no one in my family had ever acted before. So I just started with the art, but um, I always had in the back of my mind, you know, I'd be like, I'd either see like a really great movie and be like, oh, I want to be an actor, or I'd see a horrible actor and be like, I, I could do like better I than that. that. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I just spoke with, I just reached out to a couple of friends of mine in Charleston who were actors, and I was like, uh, I was like, I'm in, so I'm interested in acting, and they were like, you have like a look that would work well for that. They were like, go down to the Army Wives uh, casting trailer. And they'll take your picture, and then if they want you, they'll call you. So it turned out, um, I lived on King Street in Charleston at the time. Probably couldn't afford it now. But um turned out it was a five-minute bike ride also on King Street where they had, like, the whole set. Right on. And there were a bunch of, like, containers. From the street, it just looked like stacked containers. But when you walked in, it looked like suddenly you were, like, in Afghanistan or something. Wow. It was so cool. So I just go to this little um, portable, um, their casting trailer, and um, and they took my picture, asked me a few questions, and then the very next day, um, someone calls me from casting. They're like, "The director wants you to play an Iraqi sniper in the season finale," and I was like, "In Iraq?" You know, I was like, "I'm Puerto Rican. I was yeah. like, <laughs> playing Afghanistan or Iraqi." Yeah, and. Um, and then all my actor friends were like, I've been trying to get on that show for two years, and you get a call back this, the second day. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of funny. So then it just started this thing where I worked. So that was like a like a featured extra, like you saw me. And it was at the end, like it was a cliffhanger. I shoot this rocket launcher at like one of the main characters. Right. So much fun. Like I caught the bug. I was on set for like 14 hours and filmed for like 30 minutes like right. at the end of the day. But you're sold. But like I shot like they had stuff shooting out the back of the rocket launcher. Like it was like legit. And I was like... This is awesome. Right on. So then I just started becoming um, like an extra and mm-hmm. do, just doing all kinds of roles. Um, 
And then eventually I got an agent, and then I ended up um, one of the main stars um, broke his leg playing basketball, Drew Fuller, and they needed a stand-in and a stunt double. And um, they hired me, and from the back, when they shaved my when they shaved my head to look like, you know, because he was like in the army, we looked exactly the same. It was crazy. Like the other co-stars would come up and put their arm around me without looking and like start talking to me. And I'd be like, and I'd look at them and be like, I don't know. You know, this is Julio, right? And they're like, holy shit. You, yeah. you look exactly like. Did you have to do stunts? So it was just a fight scene, but it was hilarious. That's like, cool. It was fun. Like I came in one day and this dude literally to throw one punch, he spent like hours and I was like, I know how to throw a punch, and there's, but there's this like certain way because you know it has to look real, and you can't hit the other person. Yeah. Um, so you got to punch next to them, right? Or yeah. kind of. Honestly, when it happened, camera. I forgot everything I was taught, and I just like threw a punch, but it worked apparently. <laughs> so you, you're from Puerto Rico. I'm from the South Bronx. Okay. Yeah. So you're from New York, but you're, you're New Rican. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And then, but you lived in Charleston for a little bit, and that's where you got the bug for acting. And yeah, I lived in Charleston later on. So I lived in. So I was born in South Bronx projects, mm-hmm. big family. Um, my mom, my dad was from Puerto Rico. My mother's parents are from Puerto Rico. She was the middle child of nine, and she was wow. the first one born in the states. Right on. Um, and then, probably like around five or six. My parents divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, she got remarried and we moved to Miami for a couple of years when I was around six. It was, it was actually like back and forth. So sometimes I'm like, I was five and six. Um, and then, so I was in Miami a couple of years. And then a lot of our family, we had family that lived in Greenville, South Carolina since like the 50s. Mm-hmm. One of my great uncles was stationed there in, in the army. And we were just there this weekend. Really? Yeah. It's changed a lot. Volleyball it's, tournament. Nice. It's beautiful, right? The downtown yeah, is insane. It was really nice. We we actually went in um, into town after afterwards and had dinner and stuff. Yeah, it's really nice. Up there. It's uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's come a long way. Um, but anyway, so like back in the day, family would visit from the Bronx. You know, like back in you know it was so. I mean, Bronx were still a bit dangerous, but um, it was super bad back then, and. Uh, you know, my family would like visit my uncle and be like, "Wow, this is kind of a nice place to be." <laughs> yeah. You know, there's I say there's grass on the ground instead of broken glass on the ground. Right. Or graffiti on the sidewalk. Good place and, to raise kids. Um, so yeah, so I lived in Greenville from the age of eight, and then I discovered Charleston as a young adult. I moved there when I was 23. Right on. And good. Oh, I was just gonna say my my daughter goes to the University of Charleston now and lives in mount pleasant okay nice. so she just started grad school there and uh we're gonna go up this weekend so i might have to pick your brain for good places to go yeah I, it's changed a lot since i've been there um last time i went i was like i don't even recognize this place which was actually a, a big reason i moved to savannah instead of charleston right on savannah reminded me of charleston back in the day it just i was in new york for nine years and it just changed like drastically over those nine years yeah i've never i don't think i i might have been to charleston i always get it confused with yeah i don't know charleston seems like a more is that the one that's on the water yeah it's more densely populated (laughs) well now than (laughs) than savannah it's like you're it, it seems like it would be savannah 20 years from now you know when it's 
just right. you know stats That's and what skills. I was, when I was visiting, um, an old actually an old roommate of mine moved here in 2005, and he started buying properties. His first one, without even having money, was like just basically a letter saying he had a job. He got a loan for 70 grand. He bought a house. Now it's probably worth like 400 thousand, and he he owns like a dozen properties. It's it's crazy. Good move. Smart yeah, move. Smart move <laughs> for sure. So we might have gotten ahead of the way we normally think, yeah, which yeah. I really appreciate. Yeah. But let's. Where can people find you? We usually ask up at the front. I'm honestly, right now, I just. Like, I'm on Facebook, but I honestly don't get on it that much. I'm mostly just on Instagram. Yeah. What, what's your account? At uh, Cotto underscore Rivera underscore art. Cool. And spell that? Can you spell it out? Uh, Cotto, C O T T O. Rivera, R-I-V-E-R-A, and then A-R-T. <laughs> right on. Cool. Well, let's um, let's just jump in on, uh, to to the art making. I mean, let's just jump sure. into the deep end real quick. Um, I have not. I'm not that familiar with your work, but I, I did get a chance to do um, a little bit of a quick deep dive and really fascinating stuff. Um, I want. I have a couple of things that I wanted to uh, just quickly, right off the bat, to help us get into this conversation. Ask you about, sure. Because um, I'm a graphic designer by trade, and your style has a very graphic quality to it. At least a couple of the pieces, some of the paintings mm-hmm. that I looked at. And I wanted to know: do you do you have a graphic background, or do you have any background in printmaking? Because it does. I do see some printmaking qualities to some of your work as well. So um, when I was a little boy in New York, uh, so my family that I was speaking of are very creative. Um, Artists, musicians, uh, singers, painters. Um, I have a cousin. He's my mother's cousin. So he's like my mother's age, but he's credited with being the first bilingual rapper. And um, he's kind of blown up recently because like the 50th anniversary of hip hop is like this year. Um, so he he was signed under the Sugar Hill Gang label, right. which is a famous like old school rap uh, label and group. I had um, that first album. Yeah. <laughs> so he was in a group called The Mean Machine, and they had like a one hit wonder called uh, what is it? The Dream, something Disco Disco Dream. Right. Um, and yeah, it's crazy. Recently, he's uh, gotten a lot of uh, attention for that finally but yeah he, you know he's like my mother's age but he's loving it um so anyway so i grew up with a lot of artists um my grandfather was a painter f- photographer and his for work he was a photographer toucher okay like back in the day like he had like look like three, the loop three pairs of glasses oh, okay. like this miniature little thing that he's like scratch with and you know it's just taking up basically like a human filter you mm-hmm. know like compared photoshop to yeah photopop yeah uh <laughs> But anyway, he was really into like sci like sci-fi, you know, TV was big back then and films. Um, so I'd watch like a lot of TV with him, Buck Rogers, you know, Star Trek, stuff like that. You see Star Wars. Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica for sure. So anyway, he would make these paintings. I still, I, I, um, they were, uh, given to me when he passed away but um he would just paint these like spacescapes i guess like uh like spaceships and planets behind them 
and like he did very intricate work and I would just sit and draw Snoopy and Garfield like next to him and stuff um but I I attribute like my imagination a lot to that like uh he would have like on the spaceships there would be like glass bubbles where there were like tennis courts and pools and he would have people there and stuff and like as a little kid that was amazing like i was like this is so was that like a photorealistic style i mean did he pretty i mean pretty much um yeah almost like a comic book style i guess uh the planets were very realistic i didn't realize until recently when i opened his portfolio um and i could smell oil like so i think he used oil paints but then like also like whatever markers were available then like equivalent today's like prisma markers or whatever um so I just grew up around a lot of creative people. Anyway, fast forward to Greenville, South Carolina. I was like 15 years old. Honestly, not having a great time at home with my stepfather. And my uncles started an indie comic book company uh, called Bugged Out Comics. And my uncles had this character, you know, growing up in like the projects and tenement buildings of, you know, the Bronx. One of my uncles, Franchi Rivera, he passed away at a young age. Um, a while back but uh he created this character called ralphie roach and it's because you know that's what he would see roaches it wasn't very like roach like like it's like you know like a cute i don't want to say more cute, ralphie than roach more ralphie than roach yeah like it's a cool looking character and he's got like big bug eyes and he doesn't necessarily look exactly like a roach but anyway um so my uncles decided they wanted to create a comic book with this character. So they this is way before like Bugs Life, Ants, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. They created this whole like uh insect world and it took place in a tenement building and I mean there's just all these characters. So anyway, they they remembered that I could draw as a kid, um and they hired me well they gave me like a they gave me a piece of paper my uncle drew in pencil and he was like we need to to speed up the process he said we need an inker and letterer because it was it was lettered by hand and my uncle had kind of like he was a graffiti artist in new york so he had kind of like a graffiti style which i kind of still write that way Mm -hmm. so he gave me like letters to practice to write just like him and uh, they had me ink um, this drawing and then when I was done they were like you're hired and I was 15 years old and I was like it was something I needed at the time it yeah. was awesome so then after school I would just um, I'd go to my uncle's studio just submerged and, yourself in and that he would have like you know these full drawn pages of a comic book and then we just grew really close together and he became like a big part of my life so he's like my mentor and right. is that something that was published or is there something yeah so they have um, yeah they were published can we find that somewhere yeah, probably online somewhere. Um, Sounds like a, an interesting concept to, to do an animation with. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so it was funny because when the years later, Bugs Life and those movies came out, and there are a lot of things that they have in that movie that we were like, uh, that sounds a lot like what we did in the comic book. But, you know, we're just like, some they, the um, comic book company only lasted like four years or something like that. Um, but anyway, so that style of inking and lettering, and, or the inking part, years later, I wanted to paint. And I was always pretty good at picking up any kind of like art style, like drawing and whatever, anything after that. But painting, I didn't know what to do. And I just kind of messed around with it. I was like, oh, I'll paint landscapes. Um, and I was not good at it. And so it, I'd get frustrated and be like, I'll paint later, like in my life. 
Um, and then finally I was in Charleston. I was probably around 25 years old. And um, I was like, I really want to paint. And I was like, well, I don't have to paint realistically. I was like, I can paint in my style. And I was like, what would that be? And um, so I, I thought about the comic book stuff, like, because I literally took white and then added black. And, it was, you know, that was that contrast, which brought the image out, like, very boldly mm -hmm. in a graphic way. So there was, um, at one point in my early 20s, I got this job strictly off of my physical portfolio working for a sign company i designed signs and sometimes they let me paint in the shop um but i do remember like one time i was dozing off at work and i had like this um like i was in between sleep and being awake and i had this image of a face and it kind of looks like it's screaming it doesn't look like realistic anyway when i came to i took a sharpie and i drew it and i always kept that and so a few years later, I was like, oh, I'm going to paint that face. So I had this little, um, I had a little easel in my room in Charleston. I had some roommates and um, I started painting this face. And a friend of mine bartended at a cool, like, artsy uh, venue in Charleston called Mezzanine. And um, and his, his boss, the uh, bar manager, came over to the house to smoke weed with him before they went to work. <laughs> And um, he was an older guy, and uh, he could see my door was open in my room. I wasn't there, but he could see the painting on the easel. And then he talked to my roommate, and uh, which led to talk, speaking with me. And uh, he offered me money for the painting, and I was like, "I'm not even done," and which was kind of rare for like you know a painter to be offered money before they start actually like painting. Um, yeah. And he, he offered me like 75 bucks, and I was like, I know that's low, but I was like, if you put this painting uh, in the bar where people can see it for a couple of weeks, I'll sell it to you for that. Yeah. And he was like, all right. So I finished the painting. and um, But then that led to the uh, the owner liked the painting, and then that led to me showing other work there. Right um, and then that opened everything up for showing my work in Charleston. Right. Um, and I have to say, like, even to this day, if I show, like, Savannah Cultural Arts Center or somewhere fancy New York or Charleston, I still have never matched the pride that I had the first time I saw my first painting in public where people could see it. It was, it was really something special. special. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was cool. What medium was, were those paintings? The same that I use today, uh, just acrylic. Acrylic, yeah, yeah. I mostly use acrylic. Are you large format or do you I um the first yeah. painting was small but i quickly started going large and then i got like super large very quickly like four by six foot um murals do you do like walls? i've and done murals yeah i've done huge murals um 40 feet by 20 feet or something wow. uh, i hadn't done that in a while but another thing that i wanted to ask you about is subject matter i saw and maybe it was just one body of work that i was looking at but i did see some imagery it kind of reminded me of old Western style, you know, um, possibly indigenous people mm -hmm. and maybe guys on horseback or whatever. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you draw from on the regular? Is it something that you're just that, that interests you as a subject or how did how did that come so into your I, work? I've been interested in Native American life um, imagery um, since I was young. Like Dances with Wolves was my favorite movie when it came out. Um, I was always really drawn to anything Native American, and I, even to this day. Um, but I, it's weird. I didn't know why, 
but I just like went with it. And I found out kind of recently um, that on both sides of my family, my mother and father, we had indigenous um, Taino Indians in Puerto Rico, which I was like super excited to find yeah. that out. Um, so I've definitely put that in my artwork. As far as like the cowboy figure, I call him the peacemaker. So um, I lived in Charleston for 14 years. For one year, I went back to Greenville. For, I went back for one year. And then um, and it, was, it was a rough year. Uh, it's when Obama became president and like the economy wasn't like great. And I was like, okay, I need to go back to Charleston. At least I could make money there. Um, so I went back and then one day I woke up with this. My mind works like in crazy ways, but I woke up with this whole idea for a graphic novel. I'm, I swear to you, like I wrote it down in like 15 minutes. I never, I never like completed it, so I don't ever give too much away. But um, one to of be the, continued. To be continued. But one of the main characters um, is the character on the horseback, and there's a part in the graphic novel where he's just not from the West, but he's. I can't give that away, but um, he's riding out west, and it's just him and his horse. And I wanted to just like really embody that like loneliness and like how hard you know the the journey was. So there's this one part of the graphic novel, and I actually did paintings of it, like ten paintings that were side by side, and it shows like mountains, like starting up high on one side, going to like a valley, and then going back up about about the same height. But the horse keeps the rider like at the same level and his legs just stretch out and he just keeps them lifted up. Um, and the horse is also like a character in the, sometimes you see his thoughts. Um, he's also a character in the, in the graphic novel. But anyway, he says, um, like he thinks, I feel so stretched out. So I really like the image of the man on the horse with like the really long legs. Um, I have a tattoo on my right arm of it and people are like, oh, is that um, Dolly or Picasso or whatever? I'm like, not really. It's like something different, but I, I understand like when they, you know, make that connection. Um, Do you so, aspire to, I mean, have you gone out west to um, check out this the actual scenery and the and the landscape in person or um i went recently it wasn't because of that i had a cousin who got married in el paso but um it was beautiful i mean i took a ton of pictures and i was very inspired by it uh it is weird that i'm like an east coast boy in new york and south and and i have like this western thing that that i'm totally into but i also like um a film um the proposition have you ever seen proposition with guy Pierce? i'm the last guy to ask about film <laughs> unfortunately i mean i i do watch a little bit but yeah. most of the time my answer is like no sorry so i think it came out like around 2007 um and it was another inspiration behind it's a it's a west it's a australian western i love the imagery so i started getting really into uh, western films and so they've like inspired like when I do the Peacemaker artwork. If we go back and look at old Clint Eastwood movies, oh, the scenery sure. back then is, uh, the way they shot that was pretty, it's, pretty phenomenal. It's incredible, yeah. The other movie that just, that what you, when you were talking kind of brought to mind was The Revenant. Did you ever see The Revenant? I didn't see The Revenant. That was very intense. Um, when it came out, I was like, well, this is like one of my top favorite films. But I'm very upset with myself because during the most like, pivotal part of kind of the beginning of the movie, um, I guess when the sun is taken or something, 
Um, I used the restroom and I got back and I, I was like, what happened? And I was like, are you kidding me? The biggest me? part. Biggest part. I yeah. was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so what I'm gathering from our conversation is that like your grandpa, your family inspired your, you know, your journey into the art world and they didn't lead you into it. You were submerged in the art world, right? Like your paintings probably are influenced from your grandpa's, the way his landscapes and his environments that he was creating. That's kind of what the parallel that, that I draw between what you're making and what I'm, what you're saying. Is that kind of true? Yeah, it's funny. I, it's something very simple, but I, I would say almost in most paintings, I put a moon or a sun in the piece. Right. And it's kind of an homage to my grandfather with his planets that he yeah. would put in the pieces. Um, yeah, and one of them I saw online, I appreciated the placement of the, I think it was vultures. And you, I didn't see it at first, but the one the one vulture that's in the right-hand corner, you just have a, a, a great ability to create a composition that makes your eye move around the painting and tells a story, you know, like little segments, at least in the work that I saw. So I, I appreciated that. Okay. And the color palette too is definitely, you have like a vibe, a definite, it's like a hardcore, like a, when you see one of your pieces, it's like a, it's definitely yours, you know, I appreciate and it. It's funny because people, you know, they're like, what do you paint? And I'm just like, well, do you want to look at my Instagram? Because it's a range of things. Yeah. But once you've seen my work, you can tell that I did it yeah. kind of a thing. No matter if it's like, you know, like a female nude or, you know, like one of the Western things or something completely different. You can kind of tell my style. Yeah, 100%. Which is nice, but um, well, it's just, hard for me to describe. <laughs> well, hearing your background, it's kind of like a fusion of all those things. You know, you have, there's a nod to that comic style where you have very bold graphics in some of the pieces where mm -hmm. you have a lot of contrast. And then Kevin was talking about the palette you do see a little bit of like maybe a Southwestern influence to some of those, you know, a lot of earth tones and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that the one image that stuck out in my mind too, is there's a, there's one of a, a female figure with the head of a wolf. Mm -hmm. And then the wolf's mouth is open, but the mouth is the, the negative space in the mouth is looks like an arm with the hand. Oh, okay. yeah, I never and, that. uh, that, to me, just kind of stuck in my mind is is uh, very iconic and and um, you know a nice fusion of those styles. Yeah, that's kind of like a uh, don't bite the hand, bite, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Right. But I made like the hand kind of part of the teeth or whatever. Yeah, that was that's one of my favorite pieces. So what's what's on the immediate horizon for you um, in the art world? Do you have is there a body of work that you're working on right now? Is there a show you're working towards? Um, what, or do you get in the studio on the regular? What's your uh, practice looking like right now? So the studio thing is sometimes it's, I'm there a ton, and then sometimes it's like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to get back in the studio because uh, I work a full-time job. Um, you're working a lot with Soy Komisoy too, right? Yeah. So, yes. it's. I think it's really – I'm super happy to have, like – an art community that I'm involved with here. Um, one, because we do a lot of shows together. Um, and I had that in Charleston. We had a big art community, and we just, we were constantly doing shows. Like, I would average, I, I would do like 10 to 12 shows a year, which was awesome. Yeah. 
Um, I remember one night in Charleston, I, I was in, they were all group shows, but I was in three shows in one night. And I was like, this is amazing. Like so it's much a dream. Just hopping from one art show to another. Um, and then moving to New York, it's like, it's a completely different situation, at least it was for Did me. Did you have an artistic community um, in New York? Not like in Charleston at all. Um, the way that I describe New York to people who've never been um, or never lived there is like in Savannah, when I moved here after New York, I was so excited to be out of New York, especially after COVID. And I, you know, I can, Savannah was wide open. I can go to a bar or restaurant. Um, you know, I'd be sitting at the bar and I'd be like, hi, I'm Julio. I just moved from Brooklyn. I'm an artist, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, people would be like, oh, you're an artist. Have you spoken to so-and-so? And, you know, like, just give me names and contacts of people, you know, who, who I should talk to. And in New York, the way I describe New York is people don't want you to be doing better than they're doing. So they could help you out, but they won't yeah. <laughs> unless you have, like, something to offer them. Um, Savannah seems like it's everybody, eventually everybody knows everybody kind of right. thing. And from my experience... Most everybody's pretty open, trying to help each yeah. other out and lift each Super other up. Super supportive, yeah. yeah. With Soy Como Soy, for those that don't know, it's a group of artists based in Savannah. Um, that it's people from all parts of the world, right? Mm -hmm. From Venezuela, mm -hmm. um, Native American, like, yeah. Puerto Latino Rican. and Native American mostly, yeah. Right on, and then. There's been a couple of shows at Trupial, which is a Venezuelan place, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then the Savannah Cultural Center has had some opportunities there also. Is there one coming up, or did it just pass? Um, it just passed, right. and we had one last year. Um, yeah, they were both went really well. Is it strictly visual art, or is there performance? And um, The performance, so I, I don't know how many people are in the collective now. We probably started off with like 15. There might be... 30 or 40 now um, but we have people that make pottery um, fashion designers um, we have one guy he's our he's our official bartender and um, we have musicians um, three-dimensional artists uh, painters illustrators and then if somebody wanted to get involved in that how who would they contact or can they is there a maybe so um soy on instagram yeah probably soy soy on instagram right on do you guys get together on the, on the regular, even if you're not, you know, doing a show or? Uh, pretty much, um, we did a lot this year. Um, we did a good bit last year as well, but every now and then we would just like catch up and talk about like future projects or mm -hmm. like on Instagram. We'll get I'll get messages almost every day of you know one person knows of this thing going on and you know they're like do you want to be a part of this do you want to paint this mural do you want to be in this art show yeah um, is it just so there's a based in on. savannah do you guys do things um in, right in now other, other towns i would say we're like a little over a year old year and a half um but they have big plans i think eventually they want to become like a non-profit um and i can see it you know like them teaching kids how to paint and mm -hmm. like, things like this um, make comic books or, uh, books. graphic novels yeah i could see the miami community and even atlanta you know this a lot of good source to draw yeah. things from in this area for sure good vibes good good artistic vibes 
we had Autumn, Gary, and Diego. He was on the podcast a couple, you know, a couple of months back. But um, yeah, if if there's anything, I don't know what else we could talk about with soy coma soy, but I definitely wanted to bring it up and yeah, for sure. lift it um, up. That's been a big part of my art experience in Savannah. Yeah, um, yeah, those people are awesome. Really when, to be a part of that. When you're making work, do you listen to music or podcasts or silence or everything? Um, I listen to music. Um, in 20, 2019, 2020, um, I illustrated. Uh, a book for Shelves and Rope from mm-hmm. Charleston. Um, I've known them for, they're like an alt country, yeah. alt rock uh, folk band, uh, wife and husband. And I used to wait tables with the wife for several years in Charleston. And uh, I haven't known them since like before they were dating. But anyway, they had they um, hired me to, to illustrate a book um, based off of one of their songs called Come on Utah. Um, so, show us some rope, yeah, yes. Cool. Um, but then I would get tired of listen, listening to music. Um, so I was like, what else? Because this book took a long time to make, and I had to work on it like every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I never really listened to podcasts before, but um, I started listening to Lore. I'm not sure. Have you heard yeah, of with Lore? Mm-hmm. They have like a TV show. It like blew up into a TV show. Um, and it was just like folk, like American, actually like worldwide folklore. Okay. Um, it's very interesting. Some stuff is funny. Some Moss stuff, man. Very, some stuff is very dark. Um, but uh, yeah, I like podcast. the dark stuff. It's it's yeah. they they it's crazy. Hard. Yeah. It takes your mind to like crazy places. It's great because it kept my mind like your imagination. My imagination. Yeah. So like very creative while I was you know literally you know creating something. Um, listen to a lot of music. Uh, sometimes I listen to. I'll listen to comedies that I don't have to watch because I've watched them before, mm-hmm. like Seinfeld or Cheers or something like that, where I know I can see what's going on, but you know I'm like laughing and entertained, like sure. while I'm, you know it keeps my mind like, um, I guess entertained while I'm doing my work. Sometimes if I don't have any, if it's just silent, it's I can't it's do too that. much. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, sometimes maybe I do, but ninety five percent, you know, maybe ninety percent. I have to have noise, white noise. Right. And I've actually listened to music that has inspired artwork, like future artwork, or changed what I was doing. Um, in New York, I discovered this band called White Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, he has some haunting songs. Um, he actually inspired... So eventually, my next creative endeavor is music. Um, and I grew up with, you know, I said musicians, but I've never... It was just kind of an obvious thing for me to do my artwork because what they had seen, what they had seen, um, but I've never really messed with music. Um, do you want to play guitar I, or? I think guitar would be the best start. Um, so I, I write poetry, um, and a lot of my friends were like, "This is like a song." Mm-hmm. Like my, my musician friends. When I first moved here, so many musicians were like, "You want to write a song for us?" And apparently, there's, I don't know, it sounded like there weren't a ton of writers or a lot of musicians but they needed like lyrics um so that's something i'm like working on but i also would like to like learn how to play guitar and delve into the music world would you consider just singing or communicating verbally over beats or like do you want to just invest all into the actual process of making or 
learning the the instrument? Uh, I'd like to learn the instrument. Um, see, if, so I was in choir when I was a kid, but my voice changed, didn't <laughs> transfer over so well. Yeah. Um, but I can sing in some some levels, uh, whether it's really high or really low. That's I what auto tunes like, for. I can't do like the middle part. Um, but there are songs that I sing, that I hear and I sing. I'm like, maybe I could get away with that. I was asking just because the current uh, way music is being created, mm-hmm. people are using their phones and, you know, the, you could market it or you could create music. If it's lo-fi, that's okay, you know. Right. But there's this software called Soundtrap. And it's I think Spotify owns it. And they have a free version for like 30 days or something like that. Hmm. And it is incredible. It's mm-hmm. got like beats that you can choose from, guitar riffs. You can change the pitch. You can slow it. Everything. You can modify everything. Um, it might be fun for you to explore. Yeah, Just like sure. get the free copy. And it's pretty straightforward. You like say, I want a 808, you know, some sample of an 808. And it just pops it up, and mm. I could show you if you ever wanted to see. Sure. But you would cool. think that the lyrical part of it, you know, that's the bones, right? You've got the, you have the story or wh- wherever that song line, you know, takes you. And, you know, once you have that down, you could, you know, you could do a lot with that. Yeah, because the special part, I think what I was trying to get at is like, what I hear, the special part is your, your, um, the lyrics or the poems, mm-hmm. the, the writing. And why get bogged down with in the creative process of learning the guitar, which can be fun and fruitful in itself, but sometimes like you just want to grab a pen and mm-hmm. and I wonder what that would look like if you grabbed soundtrack as the the pen real quick and placed your writing on top of it. Yeah, I'd have to check that out. But I would say my style would probably be like alt country or like Americana or something like that. Um just from like my lyrics. Yeah. I would say. And it's parallel to your, your painting. Yeah. And it works with my paintings. Sort of. When they, yeah, sure. I'm sure they would inspire each other, right? Yeah. You get those lyrics going and. Yeah. I've actually thought of doing like a show just based off of like one poem, like breaking down a couple lines, making that a painting, you know, the next lines. Um, one of the most fun shows I did was. It was at the, uh, it was Charleston Contemporary 10, and it was at the Charleston um, City Gallery. Uh, it was a beautiful gallery on the water, and I think, I don't know how many artists there were, but we were all matched up with a poet, and mine was John Sanchez. Uh, he owns Blue Bicycle Bookstore in Charleston, which last time I was there, I was happy to see that it was still open. But anyway, um, so I received, it was really just pulling a number out of hat kind of situation. And he was my poet and he gave me works to read. And it was cool because it was stuff that I would never think to paint. I mean, I did it in my style, but there were just parts of the poems. You could, it was really like wide open. You could do whatever you want. You could just read all the poems and just be inspired or you could literally, you know, take parts of the poetry. Um, which I kind of did both, but I created like 12 paintings just based off his poetry. And I was like, this is awesome. And they've actually like led to pieces that I still like ideas that I still have today. Nice. And that was, that was a long time ago. Um, 
so then I thought of, I was like, oh, I can do that with my own poetry right. and do like do like a show from different poems or whatever. Do you have you published your poems or um, not as a book, but they've been published like in magazines. Yeah. There was a magazine in New York that did some of my artwork and um, published a couple of my poems. I was just curious, like, or is there a collection where people can access it? Or no, but it's, that's on the uh, the bucket list. On my bucket list, list. Yeah. yeah. So to bring this back around a little bit, as you know, we're kind of getting information out there from artists to other artists, mm-hmm. um, just to speak about their journeys. Is there are there any words of wisdom or anything that you could impart? You know, going through this. Obviously, your path is is unique um, and very individualized and you're, you're not coming out of a, you know, like a set university program. And, right. You know, this is all from, from your rich history. Um, is there anything along the way that you've, you know, that you could think back on and say, Hey, that, that was kind of a pivotal thing. And I'm, I'm glad I followed that person's information or, or, you know, followed my intuition. Um, the one thing I would say is, don't limit yourself like creatively um, like when I wanted to act I was you know I didn't go to school for art and I didn't go to school for acting but I was passionate about it and I was like I'm gonna give it a try like don't be afraid to try something new um, sure listen to people that you know that care about you and they give you advice but ultimately you need to go with like where your heart is leading you um, I mean, a lot of people go to school for art. To me, it's it's weird. Like, I understand, like, honing in, like, your craft, like, learning how to paint or whatever. But you need to go with, like, if you want to stand out, you need to go with, like, what's inside of you. What, like, what makes you different? What's your story? Um, that's what really stands out. You can make a living, you know, painting stuff that people think are pretty or whatever. Sometimes I do it so I can, <laughs> you know, make a living. Um but be, be true to yourself, mostly, I would say. Um, yeah, don't limit yourself creatively. Um, don't be jealous of other artists, even if they're less talented than you. Like, be happy for them. Help and, other people. And look, I mean, that really yeah, support other comes artists. back around. I buy art that I can afford from other artists, young artists, like just to like help them out because people did it for me. Um, but yeah, don't be jealous of other people. Just see what they did and mm. and learn from it and be like wow they they got it done you know maybe they had more connections than you or whatever but don't ever be jealous of any artist if i could summarize like what i've met from um, from meeting you it'd be community definitely you know community you're that's part of your essence like it'd be uh, surrounding yourself with people lifting them up and vice versa but um you work hard and you're also inquisitive, I think, are the three kind of things if I could group or make, you know, group it, our conversation up. But yeah, I'm very, very, yeah, inquisitive. That's, that's a good Curious, <laughs> yeah. Do you think Savannah's your home for a while? Um, for a while, yeah, I would say. I, I, I love it here. It's beautiful. People are nice. Um, also, so I learned from like Charleston. I did very, Charleston was very good to me. I did very well there treated me well did a lot of artwork did a lot of projects it's kind of spoiled to be honest um a lot of things fell in my lap 
and then moving to New York is like it's a different you know mm-hmm. I I appreciate my time in New York because it was like uh, here you're nobody special <laughs> you need to like a little bit of a wake up call yeah but it also changed my artwork while I was there like some of it was I actually took paintings from Charleston from that show that I talked about at City Gallery and I was looking at it, I was like this work is beautiful but I was like I don't feel like at the time I was like I don't feel like life is beautiful and I changed the work and a lot of it got kind of darker um and messier and just kind of matched what I was feeling at the time but I actually really like that work um I, th- I think you just uh, paint like what you're feeling at the time if you're happy make something beautiful if you're hurting make something that expresses that yeah sweet I, I want to ask one more question before we kind of wrap things up. But what we talked about the medium, acrylic, but is it on what substrate do you use? Is it wood paneling or canvas? Um, or? I use wood and canvas, wood and canvas right. mostly. Um, I worked at, for an event production company when I first, or a few of them. I just did like freelance when I first moved to New York, just kind of fell into that. Um, but I remember we were organizing this warehouse from this big production company and I had made friends with this guy. He'd been in the business for a long time and they had rolls of canvas, like five foot canvas rolls. I'm talking about like, I don't even know how many feet. And, uh, I was just like, I was like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) I can make so many paintings with that. And he called the owner and he was like, look, we've had this canvas for five years. We're never using it. He was like, just let Julio, and there was another artist that was working with it. He was like, let Julio and this other dude have it. And he was like, all right. He was like, we Sweet. need this space. I yeah. still have, that was 12 years ago. <laughs> I still have like three. Where in New York I have three do you have a room for rolls. that? <laughs> I have three rolls left. I honestly, my studio in New York was, my apartment in New York was a lot bigger than my apartment here. Um, I have to say I got lucky. I lived in the same apartment for nine years. My rent, and I'm talking about like a nice size. My studio was like 14 by 24 foot, which in New York is like unheard Huge, of, yeah. with 10 foot ceilings. That's the sweet part right there. It was insane. Where is your studio now? Is it in your, um, yes, in your in place house, here? Yeah. yeah. So I have like a outdoor porch. Um, I have like three easels, but it's not screen. It's screened in, but it's not like there's no windows. Um, so there's times of the year where it's like too hot or too Dreadful. cold. So I have like, but now you're I in the like a, I have a little, a mini or studio indoors. Cool. Um, well, you can go outside for a while now, right? Yeah. This is the sweet spot. It's Definitely. nice right now for sure. And the light is like insane outside, which I like better. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, so you. Much for having me. Great meeting you this in person. Awesome. Yeah. It was best, a lot of fun. Best of luck. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys. you for tuning into today's episode we now have a patreon page that allows you to financially support the show to make a donation please visit the temframe.podbean.com if you would like to learn more about a particular person in the art world reach out to us on instagram at the 10 frame